And Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With the left hand and authority. He will give it to Donald Brown. Donald fights his way. Now balls loose. Luck picks it up. And Luck scores. Andrew picked up the fumble and scores. Oladipo to win it. Another one. He got Another it. Another one. Another Oladipo. one. Victor Oladipo has given the Pacers a one-point lead. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Sam Suclair, and with me, as always, is Jake. Jake, man, how you doing today? Good, Sam. How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. So, uh, on today's episode, we're going to preview the Colts' Week 4 matchup. They stay at home after defeating the Atlanta Falcons in Week 3. They stay at home to face the Oakland Raiders uh, at 1 o'clock at Lucas Oil Stadium, of course, on CBS Last week, of course, the Colts defeated the Atlanta Falcons 27-24 to behind a very strong performance from starting quarterback Jacoby Brissett. He threw for just over 300 yards and two touchdowns, uh, completed his first 16 passes. Was I think he was one completion away from tying Peyton Manning with the most completions to start a game record. Uh, the, the Raiders, on the other hand, are starting a long road stretch. I know um, week one they had, a home, they had a home game. Week two they were in – or week two they had a home game as well. Week three, they're in Minnesota, and now they come to Indianapolis. Uh, last week, they lost to the Vikings 34-14. to Now they travel back back east to fa- face the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they got a good performance last week from Darren Waller, and he's had two great back-to-back performances. He's their leading receiver so far. Last week, he had 13 catches for 134 yards. Um, so the last time these two teams faced off was last year, actually, in week eight. Um, Colts came back from... A two-score deficit. They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, I want to say Andrew Luck threw two touchdowns. While Mike had another in the fourth quarter. Darius Slayer had that big, famous tomahawk chop, ch- tomahawk chop on Doug Martin in the hole that caused the fumble that sealed the game for them. Uh, on the injury front, uh, as of right now, Pierre Desir, T.Y. Hilton, Malik Hooker, Darius Leonard, Tyquan Lewis, Al-Kadim Muhammad, those guys have not practiced at all this week. Other guys that haven't practiced that have returned, though. Ryan Kelly had had an illness. He returned to practice on Thursday. Uh, Jabal Shearer's been a limited practice all week. Roland Milligan was a full practice on Thursday. And Jonathan Williams has been a full practice this week. So, Jake, looking at through, looking at through the injuries, which ones stand out to you the most? And which ones do you think we'll miss going into Sunday? Um, we had talked about Pierre Desir is kind of interesting because the hamstring's different from what he initially injured a uh, week one against Los Angeles. That was his knee. Now it's the hamstring. So I'm interested to see if he plays through this, if this, you know, is, is a new issue that's going to keep him out. Um, we haven't really heard anything about this. So I'm interested to see how this develops this week. Uh, Jabal Sheard, I don't expect to be back yet. I think next week will be more of a realistic return date for him, but I'm interested to see how he is. I think T.Y. Hilton will play. He doesn't seem too concerned about the quad, and it's just a matter of is this you know, going to be an at-risk thing for him to tear it again, but I think at least he'll dress and give it a go. Malik Hooker is obviously going to be out. It's good to see Ryan Kelly back. 
Darius Leonard's another guy that really sticks out because with a concussion, not being back in any capacity as of yet means he's probably going to miss his second consecutive game. So those are obviously some key guys that I'm looking at that I'm interested to see how the end of the week develops for them. Yeah, I'm worried about Darius Leonard, of course, because I think Darius is probably our most impactful defensive player we have, maybe outside of Malik Hooker. But, yeah, like you said, Malik Hooker is probably going to be out for four to six weeks, so expect him to be back probably around the Broncos and Steelers game. I think that's a massive loss, of course. But one one thing I'm interested to see is Taekwondo Lewis and Al-Kadi Muhammad. And I think Muhammad came back into the game against Atlanta last week. But if you somehow end up missing one or both of those guys, that really digs into your depth along the defensive line. And I think that's one of the deeper positions on the Indianapolis Colts. But to lose a guy, to lose a guy in Muhammad that's a starter as of right now, and Taekwondo Lewis, who's basically a backup that plays a lot, that's going to really, really stretch your depth, and it's really going to force guys like Justin Houston and Danico Audrey or Marcus Hunt to play a lot more snaps this week against the Oakland Raiders at home. Uh, but never, you never know. Maybe Ben Banigou, his snaps have been going down the last couple of weeks. Maybe he'll his will get extended a little bit more. Maybe uh, Kamoka Ture, who came back off from the uh, neck injury last week, maybe he gets more snaps this week against the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, I mean, every injury on this injury report, I mean, there's not really too many guys on here that aren't standouts. Um, so, yeah, definitely Lewis and Muhammad are guys to know. Muhammad's played well. Versatile guy, can rush the passer, plays the run well. That's why he gets the nod at times over Teray because he's a much more balanced defensive end that can do more things. And Taekwon Lewis, like you said, is a guy that we've talked about. Maybe his role should increase on this defensive line with some of the struggles uh, collapsing the pocket. So his injury is obviously something to watch. And it seems like he's get, he gets injured a lot. So he's a guy that we kind of have to flag and see how his injury issues are moving forward because he missed a lot of time last year and now already this year. I think he missed a lot of time in camp uh, in preseason also. So, you know, now this is another injury to pop up. So he's a guy that we're going to have to watch moving forward and see how injuries progress with him and if this is going to be an ongoing issue. Well, I had that poll up and I asked. It was when you and me talked about Marcus Hunt uh, not doing so well on the inside. Should they start um, – Taekwondo Lewis up the middle to get more pressure inside, and I know um, Lewis actually won the poll, and I'm trying to find it here real fast on the spot, but I know, yeah, here it is, 75% of people said they would start, Should they they think the Colts should start Taekwondo Lewis over Marcus Hunt, and, more of, and I think they're saying that mostly as since the Colts, they like to have a lot more pass rushers on the field, and considering we're going to be facing a lot more pass-heavy offenses, they want that initial pass rusher up the middle and obviously Marcus Hunt is not necessarily that but maybe they just want to see what Tyquan Lewis could do as a starter with more snaps these coming weeks yeah they have two options I mean you either go with a smaller guy in Tyquan Lewis but the interesting thing about Lewis is him and him and uh him and Hunt weigh basically the same you give up some some height but honestly that's not too big of an issue with with uh with Taekwon Lewis being 6'3 already, that's not really a, a too big of an issue. He's still a big guy, almost 280 pounds. Um, he's listed on the Colts site as 277. So he's still a big guy, but he's going to offer you more pass rush than Hunt. Or they could go with Grover Stewart, who's a much more conventional defensive tackle. I know a lot of people talk about Taekwon Lewis being a, a three tech, 
But when you look at Marcus Hunt, he is not the ideal size for a defensive tackle either. He's extremely tall, but he's not wide. He's thin. And and 277 for a 6'8 guy is very is very thin. So if you throw in if you can throw in Taekwon Lewis, you're not really giving up much physicality, in my opinion, at all. And you have a much higher upside with the pass rush. But if you put in Grover Stewart, that's much more of the guy. I think he's around 310 pounds. That can that can be that kind of run stopping presence for you. So they have options there, but I think one of or both of those guys even their roles need to increase because regardless of how you feel of what you want your defensive tackle to look like or who you want to see out there, regardless, you're not seeing much out of Marcus Hunt right now. So yeah, Taekwon Lewis is a guy that I think could fill that role, even though, like I said, we got some replies on there that he that he's undersized, but so is Marcus Hunt, even at being six eight. So they need to do something there. Yeah, I think it's mostly Taquan Lewis needs to stay on the field, obviously. And it'll be interesting to see if what they do with that interior spot if Marcus Hunt doesn't keep producing. But we'll move on to the mat we'll move on to the preview of the Colts Raiders game now. Um a matchup to watch, and I think you and me highlighted almost instantly after watching a little bit of the Raiders is Darren Waller, their tight end. He is a, he is a very much a weapon. Probably I would say he's probably the number two target for Derek Carr in that offense. And going up against our linebackers in our secondary who very much struggle against tight ends, and we've been stressing this all throughout the offseason and going into the season, I think that's the most key matchup to watch, especially if Darius Leonard doesn't play. And, of course, Malik Hooker's not going to play, so that's going to insert rookie Kari Willis. Uh, I think that's going to be the most interesting matchup to watch on Sunday right, right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been their biggest producer. You know, with losing Antonio Brown, they don't really have – you know, too many dynamic playmakers. You have Tyrell Williams, uh, but, you know, all in all, they're not a team that you look at to stretch the field uh, very often. They're a team that, like you said, is going to be looking for their tight end, um, you know, and and that's going to be a a huge matchup to watch because this, when when I watch the Raiders tape, this kind of reminds me of a game like like the Giants game last year where you come in and you expect to win, but if you have a guy like Waller who took who can take over the way Evan Ingram did last year and just kind of chew you up, drive after drive after drive, this game could be a lot closer than a lot of fans give this game credit for. And that's definitely something we're going to have to hone in on him. And we haven't done a good job this year stopping teams' primary options. I mean, Keenan Allen had a great game. Julio Jones had a great game. So I'm concerned to see, are they going to be able to contain Waller enough to be able to not allow him to chew our defense apart and wear us down in this game. Well, if you look at it, week one, Hunter Henry really came on in the fourth and fourth quarter in overtime. Uh, the Titans with Delaney Walker early and often on the in the first half, but kind of went away from him in the second half. And then last week we saw Austin Hooper. I want to say he had about 60 yards and a t- and he had a touchdown. He was really hurting us over the middle of the field. And I don't know if that's just the lack of creativity and. And just the lack of, because like when I watch the Colts film, especially on defense side, they don't have a whole lot of people covering over the middle of the field. Uh, they, I know on the Matt Ryan interception they had, I think it was, I want to say it was Bobby O'Kreeke covering 20 or 30 yards of field and no one was inside the numbers. And I'm just like, how are you going to, that's where the quarterbacks want to go with the ball. They want to go over the middle and you can't have one guy just covering that much space. And I think that's what Derek Carr is going to be looking at a lot. I think, I think obviously Darren Waller is probably the, his number one favorite target to throw to. I mean, he's of course, like I said, he's the leading receiver on the team so far. But I just think the Colts are going to have to really stiffen up in their middle of the field coverage, and I think we've talked about that over and over. 
during games is that they got to get better at covering over the middle of the field. Yeah, and just just I mean the thing, and that's the thing with his own coverage is it does leave a lot open in the middle and in the intermediate. And when you have good quarterbacks, and and part of the biggest problem with what Eberflus is doing right now is he's not generating pass rush. Don't give them the time to be able to dissect those zones because that's what's happening. You saw with Matt Ryan when he had time to stand in, he had guys running wide open all over the place, and that's that's our issue right now is he needs to be more creative until the, we get we get it figured out which four we're going to use that can generate the pressure because I think that the line can do it, but I just don't know if we have the group out there right now or the right matchup uh, you know, to be able to do that week in and week out. And until we do, we can't just continuously rush forward a brick wall and allow our guys to get back in zone coverage because it's, it's putting them in a death trap right now. I mean, it, they're just getting shredded week in and week out, and the only week they didn't was the week they played – one of the worst quarterbacks on our schedule. And Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback. He's a guy that's going to be able to, to destroy those zones if we allow him to. He did it last year. He had probably his best game of the year against us. So I, I'm really looking forward to see if Matt Eberflus dials up a lot of what he did last year, um, You know, creates more pressure on blitzes, plays more make, plays more man, kind of disguises what they do a lot better because what they're doing right now is not working. And I don't know if it's just more confidence in the personnel that they have to run a more organic zone like they want, because ideally we talked about it on the review show of the Falcons game. They want to be able to rush for and drop everyone else, but that's not working right now. And you can't continue to do that week in and week out because it's going to lose you football games. It almost did last week. We were up three scores and they still almost won that game. So they have to do something this week to try to get Derek Carr off of his game, try to make sure he can't just complete all these passes to Waller and whoever else over the middle of the field because otherwise it's going to be another long day for the defense. I'll give you a crazy stat I heard earlier today. Matt Ryan went 24-25 on throws from 0 to 20 yards downfield on Sunday, and the one incompletion was a drop off of Devontae Freeman's hands. Yeah, it's not a shock. I mean, when you watch the tape – it, it was it was as bad as it looked when we were watching the game. And it was so frustrating to just see these guys get free releases and run. I mean, these athletes in this league are elite athletes, and you can't give these guys that kind of space and that kind of ability to operate without trying to throw, to throw off timing because these guys are just playing pitch and catch against our defense right now. And it, it's frustrating to watch because a lot of people are tearing into our players, but you know, it, it's really a failure at the front to get in. And then it's a failure on the coaches to be able to allow guys to be more aggressive and make plays. They're just kind of sitting back there and getting eaten alive right now by quality quarterbacks. And it could happen again this week if we don't make some changes play more man coverage, disguise what we're doing, and try. if the pressure isn't there early on, generate some pass rush some way, somehow. I think, uh, deep down, I think the vanilla defense that we're, t- that we're running right now is mostly because we're playing a lot of young guys. We're playing, of course, Rocky Sin is, uh, is our second round pick, but he's our starting outside corner in sub packages. I've got Bobby Okariki starting now at the Michael linebacker spot without Darius Leonard, Kari Willis is playing a lot. Ben Banigou's playing a lot. Like a lot of the, we've still got, even though this is the second year under Matt Eberflus and this is Anthony Walker's third year and Darius Leonard's second year, these are still like a lot of young guys. These are not, you know, five, six, seven-year proven vets. These are still fairly young guys. So I think Eberflus is staying fairly vanilla early, and then he's going to start mixing up. I think maybe after we get out of our bye week, maybe once we get to, 
towards like November or December, kind of like last year when we never saw Kenny Moore blitz off the edge in our di- in our dime and our sub packages. But then the year, man, that was like our favorite defensive play to run, and it, it was so successful. So maybe we're staying vanilla early to to learn our disciplines and stuff like that, and then we're going to more complex stuff later in the year. That's why I think how the offense is doing it. But I think Frank Reich is opening up the offense a little bit more, and we'll get into the offense a little bit more here in a second. But Frank Reich, the last game, he's opened up the offense a little bit more. We saw the deep pass to Ebron. We saw the deep pass to Pascal for the touchdown. Maybe it's just going to take a little bit more time for this defense to really get in tune. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting point also, and I I agree with that to an extent. But we we also had a young defense last year, and we brought back the great great majority of our starters from last year. So you know you have to kind of have a balance of when when am I playing my young guys, and when am I putting the proven guys in here that were in these situations last year, so I can be aggressive. And I understand not wanting to put guys like Willis and and Rakisin in, in bad positions on the back end. But at the same time, we're in the business of winning football games. And, you know, you're doing that the, that side of the football a disservice by allowing them to sit back in these zones and get torn alive by these offenses. You you have to do something. And that's what Ibra Flues, we, we had a lot of high expectations for him coming into this season. And that's why I'm being so hard on this right now and not really just kind of, you know, submitting to the fact that, well, we're young because we were young last year. I think our average age was like 24 years old. And yet we found a way to be able to be effective. And I feel like that that should have carried into this year better. I understand you have a couple of young pieces defensively, but when you return every defensive starter on that side of the ball, you should be a little bit more refined and polished and be able to withstand these kinds of problems better than I feel like our defensive coaching staff has. I just feel like they're being way too passive considering the talent we have. We're more talented now than we were last year. And I feel like that they're just being a little too passive and just allowing things to happen that shouldn't be happening in game adjustments for the defensive coaching staff. I feel like has to improve regardless of whether we're young or not. I hold a higher standard for this defense because I feel like they have the talent to be a top 10 unit and they have proven guys that have been here over the last couple of years that should be able to step in and make plays when we need them to. And so far on the two offenses that we've played that are quality offenses, they really haven't done that too often. So we'll move on to the keys of the game. Um, the first one I think was just, was a big one. I think it's pretty obvious, but it's something, especially we're going to come up front with it. The Colts, this is a game they should win. They're favored by a touchdown. Um, this is the Raiders are not better than us. The, the Colts have a more talented roster, but the Colts cannot have mental issues, mis- miscues. They can't have blown assignments. Uh, they can't have a lot of dumb penalties. L- look at what Atlanta did last week. They had the blown coverage on the Pascal touchdown. They had 16 total penalties. They had so many miscues, and that's probably what ended up losing them the game. And that could be the very that could swing our way, and we could you know have a lot of penalties. Thankfully, the Colts are bottom of the league in penalties so far this year. And we have a lot of mental mistakes to where the Raiders take advantage of that. And the Raiders end up coming in here and upsetting us. So I think the mental miscues are going to have to be very, very limited for us to win this game, to not get upset by this Oakland Raiders team. Yeah, and that's usually when you see lesser teams win is when the better team loses its focus and, and doesn't allow itself to play the type of football that they have. But, I mean, we have to give Frank Reich and this staff a ton of credit. Through three three weeks, we're tied for first in penalties. 
We're first in penalty yards, and we've only turned the ball over twice. So I'm gaining a lot more confidence in what Frank Reich has done to make this team disciplined. And we're one, arguably the most disciplined team in the league right now. If you look at the statistics, I mean, in terms of penalties and turnovers, we're, we're sterling right now. We're doing outstanding. And as long as we don't have a letdown this week and, and kind of overlook this team and look, look ahead, I think that we'll be fine. And, and like you said, just make sure you protect the ball, make sure you do what you need to do, mind your P's and Q's. And this is a game that you should be able to come out with a win on Sunday. I'll move on to the second point that mental miscues is pretty self-explanatory. Just don't, don't, don't have a lot of mistakes. Of course, that that's pretty self-explanatory. So we'll go on to the second point. I think this is a point you and me found after did, doing some digging, and I think you came up with the Raiders stat that the Raiders have converted 48% of their third downs so far through the first three games. And if we look at the good offenses, I think we really need to throw all the stats away from the Tennessee game on the defensive side at least, because that's not the type of offense we're going to see in December and January if we're playing games in January. But we need to look at games like the Chargers and the Falcons games. Both of those games, the Chargers and the Falcons, convert over 50% of their third downs. And I think the Colts, if they want to beat, if they want to make sure the Raiders are not in this game, if they want to get out, get up early and eliminate the Raiders, they're going to have to hold the Raiders to at least under 40% conversion rate on third down, I think that's a very big key for the for the Colts. Yeah, and that was that was the most disturbing thing that I saw defensively last week was the amount of third and longs that we allowed to be converted. And really, when I went back and watched that game, I thought that the Raiders can easily do what we're seeing out of out of the Falcons right now. They did nothing special. Matt Ryan wasn't making outstanding throws. Julio Jones wasn't making all pro catches. They were playing backyard pitch and catch against our defense. And if we do that again this week, it's going to be the same story. And that's why I harped on it earlier, because when you got, when we were getting them in third and long, which we were doing regularly, that should be a a prime opportunity to get off the field and turn the ball back over to your offense. But they were converting them the way we convert third and fourth. And that's going to be a huge key for me watching to see what the defensive coaching adjustments are and the personnel adjustments are to make sure we're not giving up those because I'm sure it's driving Matt Eberflus crazy watching how many third and longs they gave up. It's, it's just unacceptable. I mean, there's nothing you can say about it. Eight straight com- uh, third down conversions on, on last Sunday's game in the second half. And I would guess at least five or six of those were beyond third and seven. I mean, we got them into those situations quite a bit and we just could not get off the field regardless. And so that's going to be something going into this game that could be another thing that swings it against us. If we allow them to continuously get those long third down conversions, that's demoralizing and tiring for your defense. Well, if you look at it, the Colts only had one drive in the third quarter. They had a three play drive, and then Atlanta started the first, the second half with that long touchdown drive. Colts can go off the yeah. field then. And then they get the three and out, the Colts do. And then Atlanta goes on. I think it was like a 15, 16 play drive that ends up going into the fourth quarter. And it's like your offense can't keep a rhythm, even though, even though the offense did a great job at scoring in the fourth quarter, the offense can't get a rhythm and the defense can't stay rested. If the defense can't get off the field. And I, I totally agree with you. I'm sitting here watching the game and Alliance can continuously go into the third and eight, third, and nine, third and 10. And all it is is simple throwing it to Julio on rock. And I think, one thing that we did we didn't do well was Rock it was on it was a third I want to say it was a third and ten or third and eleven. It was when Atlanta had the punt and they lined up Rock man to man on Julio and 
Matt Ryan threw an, an incompletion. The other couple times that uh, Matt Ryan went to Julio against Rocky Sin, it was a lot of zone coverages, and Rock was just not really out of place, but he wasn't there to make a pra- pass breakup and allowed the, co- the completions for first downs. So I, th- I just think the Colts are going to have to get off the field on defense, especially if they're going to want to win this game. Yeah, and in third down, you have to be willing to go man-to-man. I mean, and that that's what confuses me about what is the overall strategy and outlook for the defense right now? Because when you look at a lot of the guys that we have, you know, Rocky Asin and Quincy Wilson are both outstanding uh, man-to-man cornerbacks. I'm not going to say they're you know all pro level, but you know they're they're are they're high quality man-to-man cornerbacks. That's their calling card, and we drafted those guys, and we've kept those guys, and we've groomed those guys, and and I just wonder why we're not utilizing their natural skill sets. You talk about them being young. Well, wouldn't you think that you would want to put them in their most natural type of environment, which is covering these guys, jamming these guys, and they haven't done that at all. They've just allowed them to stand there and kind of get destroyed in these zones. So, you know, that's something they have to be more willing to do is is change over to man on third down and hope that and see if the pass rush can get there. And if not, dial up some of the creative blitzes they did last year. But sitting in a zone in third and nine and 10 is ridiculous. If you're give if you give up two or three in a row, it's time to go, okay, that's enough of that. We're going to try to switch it up to man, try to dial up some pressure and get off the field. And that's what they have to do this week. Cause I'm telling you, Derek Carr has the talent. He's not on Matt Ryan and Phillip rivers level, but he has the talent to tear us apart. If we do what we did last week, it's going to be a long, long day for the defense on Sunday. Something I saw was very interesting when the Raiders are in second and long, I think it was like more second and more than eight. They throw the ball like an astronomical amount more than they run the ball. I think, I can't remember where I saw the graphic. It was on Twitter today. And the Colts were like near the bottom of percentage of times that they throw the ball on second and long. The Raiders, on the other hand, were by far the first team to throw on second and long. So if the Colts can, you know, get the Raiders to second down and long or keep them in second and long and then get pressure on Derek Carr, that can result in them being in more third and long situations. And then hopefully the defense can play some man-to-man. And it's so predi- our defense is so predicated on the completion being before the sticks and having two or three guys there to make the tackle. And we saw it last Sunday. Matt Ryan just threw past the sticks every time, and it was the first down every time. Yeah, I'm just it just baffles me what I watched on Sunday, and I'm just hoping that we see a different story this week because we know Matt Eberflus is better than this. We know this defense is better than this, and I'm watching it live, and then I go back and watch it again, and it's just like, how are they watching this from the sideline and just allowing this to happen over and over and over and over when it happened last year? This is the same story from the first five or six games last year where our defense just looked putrid because we were just sitting back in these zones and you had guys like Carson Wentz tearing us up. And now it's the same story again. So, you know, I I hate to keep harping on it, but again, this is something that is very concerning to me going into a game that you should win. This could swing it the other way. If we make Derek Carr's day easy and we let him get into a rhythm, this game could turn what should be a win into a shocking loss. So let's move on to the last key of the game. Ironically, it's on the defensive side, so this is a defensive special podcast, I guess. Uh, but we got to contain Josh Jacobs, man. Devontae Freeman and the Falcons, they were near the bottom of the league last in, or this this year in, run, in, the, in the running categories. And first play of the game, Devontae Freeman busts one up the middle for about 20 or 30 yards, and 
they did a fairly good job running the ball at times. I think they would have ran the ball a lot more if Edo Smith doesn't get hurt and they don't fall behind three by three scores. But containing Josh Jacobs, I think that's their most their biggest threat on offense. Uh, containing him, and he's a very good running back, first round pick out of Alabama. Um, I think a lot containing him and making sure there's no big runs from Oakland Raiders is going to be key for the Colts. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. When they're at their best is when they can get him going and use him to open up things in the pass game. If you force them into a one-dimensional passing team, they're not nearly as effective. A lot of teams aren't, but especially them, they jump off at me as a team that the discrepancy is much bigger if they can't let Josh Jacobs get going. So I agree with you. He He's a huge threat for them. And, and for us, we haven't been a team, although we still have that 100-yard rusher streak alive, I still think that's a little misleading because I haven't seen the same type of run defense that I saw last year. So hopefully this is a game that they can bounce back and, and get to where they can uh, stifle Josh Jacobs and, and put the ball in Derek Carr's hands more because he, he has a tendency, a lot like Matt Ryan has this year, he has a tendency to turn the ball over if you if you make him hold the ball and, and kind of put him on an island to where he knows he has to throw the ball to win the game. He can make some mistakes. So that's kind of the ideal formula for us is to, is to put the ball in his hands as much as possible so that we have more opportunities to force turnovers and put this game away early. Did you want to go over your key point you were going to show in the um, in in that little film breakdown real fast? I know you mentioned the the Raiders linebackers. You were you were texting me a lot about their defense and everything like that. If you want to go over that real fast, you can go ahead and do that because I thought it was yeah. fairly interesting. Yeah, it's it's a video I'm going to re- be releasing later on tonight, and it's a it's a huge thing that I have found that gets me kind of excited to watch this offense this week, um, and that is our ability off the play action to make plays and the Raiders inability to stay disciplined on opposing play action, especially against Minnesota. And I highlight Minnesota because they have a top five rushing attack like we do. And their ability to run the ball and get off play action was really forcing Oakland to make decisions. And they were making bad decisions. They were getting out of place a lot. They're not a very disciplined defense. And the Colts pass, the Colts play action has consistently gone up. Over the first three weeks, they start off at 27%. They moved to 34%. And last week, it was at its highest at 40%. And it culminated in Jacoby Brissett completing 11 out of 15 of those for over 150 yards and a touchdown. And I saw quite a few plays from from the Vikings game where they were able to use Dalvin Cook's play action because they got the run game going. And they had some really easy completions to throw that defense off. So I think that there's going to be some chunk plays to be made this week. As long as we can get the run game going, which I'm, I'm sure we will. We've done it really every week. But if we can get the run game going, I think that the play action is going to be a huge opportunity for Jacoby to open up some of those deep balls everyone's been waiting for and open up some chunk plays in the intermediate. So I'm really interested to see if that comes to light this week, if the play action is something that continues to go up. Because so far, it's, it's Jacoby Brissett's biggest strength. He's completing over 70% this year on those play actions. He's had a really, really high success rate when we do that. So if we can take advantage of this vulnerable and at a lot of times over aggressive defense, I think it's going to be a fun day for the offense. Well, I watched the Falcons film from last, from last Sunday and I saw Brissett. He really got a lot of guys out of position. I know Deion Jones got out of position a couple of times. Uh, I want to say Ricardo Allen, their safety. Uh, he got a position a lot of times on those ball fakes. So 
obviously the Colts have to establish the run first before they go play action, but maybe we can't. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of the offense opening up. We didn't see, you know, chunk play after chunk play after chunk play, but we saw, you know, the Pascal touchdown, of course, and the Ebron touch and the Ebron completion. Maybe we will see a little bit more, a couple more deep shots. I think it also depends on if T.Y. Hilton's out there. Maybe we see a little bit more extended action with uh, Paris Campbell or Deion Kane. But I'll be very interested to watch. But Jake, to conclude, man, give me a prediction and give me a bold prediction on on the game. I'm going to go with the Colts 27 to 17. I think this is a game that, you know, we always talk about letdowns, but we have to give Frank Reich so much credit. I've heard a lot of, I've seen a lot on Twitter, people talking about who's been the Colts MVP so far. For me, it's just Frank Reich, man. I mean, his ability to get this team ready, stay disciplined, his play calling, he's just been so outstanding this year. And I don't think he's going to allow this team to, to have that lull. I think our ability to keep the turnovers and penalties down will continue. And that will lead to what should be a Colts win. Um, and, and for my bold prediction, because I had just talked about those play action chunk plays, I'm going to say Jacoby Brissett throws four touchdowns this week. Frank Reich loves to throw the ball in the red zone. I think that there's play to be plays to be had against the secondary. This is the weakest secondary we faced so far this year. And I think Jacoby Brissett's going to have, he had one against Atlanta, but I think he's going to have an even bigger breakout party against this Raiders defense. And I think you're going to see this offense kind of take that next step against this defense. Well, Reich praised Brissett after the game Sunday and said that was an elite-level game. So if he could back that up, that's going to be massive. And maybe that will give him even more confidence going into Kansas City uh, two we- in two weeks. So, of course, we don't want to look ahead. Of course, we got to take care of the Raiders. Uh, but I have the Colts winning as well, 31-21. to Let's give it a little bit more high scoring. But I actually think the tight ends uh, will combine for three total touchdowns. And that's not really a bold prediction because it happened last year, actually. Molly Cox said that great one-handed catch. Eric Ebron had that box-out touchdown, and Jack Dolan, ha- Jack Dolan had that late touchdown in the fourth quarter. So I think, you know, with their over-pursuit of the linebackers, like you said, um, and just, I think they're pretty they're pretty thin at linebacker now with their injuries. I think our tight ends are going to be able to go and have a really good game. So I think all three of our tight, all three of our tight ends will combine for three, to- three touchdowns. Yeah, and it's interesting when you talked about them. I mean, and it, it, this is one thing I don't hear people talk enough about is how this is by far the weakest defense we face. The first three weeks, we talked about the opposing team's defense over and over and over because they are quality. Atlanta has some suspect uh, players in the secondary. They're not as as tight shipped as Los Angeles and Tennessee, but they still have Trufant. They still have, I mean, Keanu Neal got injured, but they still have quality guys, the quality linebackers. They have Deion Jones. They still had guys in the front seven that are high, high quality players. This is really the first below average defense we face this year. And even still then, Jacoby Brissett's completing over 70%, you know, seven touchdowns and one interception has been well-documented. But I'm just really interested to see how Frank Wright, because if we see it, we know he sees it. So I think that this is a game that he's going to be able to really open it up for Jacoby, kind of take that next step and and hopefully be a fun game for the for the fans to watch and see some of those deep balls that they've been waiting for. We'll be very excited. Of course, Colts face the Raiders 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon on CBS at Lucas Oil Stadium. Make sure to watch the game. We'll have the recap for you guys Sunday afternoon. Uh, make sure you guys rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. And we hope you guys have a good rest of the day.